Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, guys, we have been in a series um, called It's Time for Change, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you so far. I'm excited about this message today. Um, uh, and really, I want to go ahead and just encourage you to, to speak back with me, because I believe that today um, we can all really start the process of changing. I, I believe today God wants to move in every one of our lives, but it, it's not going to happen if we're just sitting here expecting this to be another weekend. It's going to happen when we realize that, you know what, God comes in the room, and when he comes in the room, things do change. So I believe that today. I believe that um, God is in this place already. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. So go ahead, do this. High five your neighbor and tell him it's time for change. It's time for change. And, and to those of you that are just sitting still, I'm too good for that, not gonna high five that. Maybe you feel like the subtitle today is I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't wanna, don't high five me, don't push me, don't talk to me right now. I don't, I don't feel like it. Well, today um, uh, we're gonna talk about that with it's time for change. John chapter five, verse five says this. It says, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else always goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. So my subject is simple today. I want to speak to you simply from I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Have you ever just been in that place? I, I just don't feel like it. I, like I need change, but I don't feel like it. Well, if that's you, I, I want to pray for you today. Uh, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we meet in this place, uh, that I, first off, I'd get out of the way. That um, we thank you for what happened this morning in the nine o'clock service, but we recognize that was that moment. So we pray for this moment now. And we pray that um, we would expect to hear from you, that we'd see Jesus in this place, that you'd, you'd use me as a mouthpiece, but um, uh, help me to just stand aside from whatever you want to do. So thank you so much, God. And it is, we all ask in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. So in this story in John chapter 5, we look into a man who has been with an unnamed condition for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years. He's got a problem that he's trying to fix and he doesn't see it get fixed. He, he wants to see some sort of outcome and yet he, he sees no change. He sees no difference. For, for 38 years, he comes in and he high fives his neighbor. And he takes notes in the Bible app on his iPhone, but he doesn't see any change. For 38 years, he's, he's hoping, he, he's writing down that this is going to be my year. That I didn't see change last year. I didn't see change in the previous season, but, but I'm excited about it. I want to see change now. And for 38 years, he doesn't see any change. He, he deals with disappointment. He deals with just this 
this sadness that comes with the fact that hey, I got my hopes up and then it, it, nothing happened. Nothing changed. For 38 years, for a long time, this man was here stuck in a cycle. And you do know there's a difference between a season and a cycle, right? A, a season changes with time. But a cycle only changes when I change. Did you catch that? There are certain things in your life that will change with time, but, but maybe there's some of us in this room that have dealt with cycles in our life where, where year after year, you, you do good for a little while, then you go back to the problem. You do a, a little bit better, and then you find yourself back in the same place. It's a cyclical problem. It, it keeps coming back around, and seasons change with time, but cycles only change when I change. And see, this man is here with this, this cyclical problem. He, he's stuck in a cycle. He's, he's stuck uh, watching everyone else's life move while he is here in this place. And, and the Bible says that, that he's in the place called Bethesda. And we pick the story up here where, where Jesus goes to this place called Bethesda. And it's interesting, Bethesda, say Bethesda. Bethesda is two words that, that, that is joined together as one word for a name. Beth Ezda, it means the house of grace. In, in the house of, house of grace, you could only get to by entering through the sheep gate. And once you go through the sheep gate, you're in uh, Bethesda, and that gives you access to a pool. And the pool has a covering over of five different coverings, five different porches or colonnades. So we see here, you have, you have a house of grace that you can only get into by going through the gate. And once you get into the gate, you have access to a pool that has a covering of five coverings over it. What this is, is this is a metaphor of the church, okay? That, that you have the house of grace that, that symbolizes the church, and you can only get in to this place and gain access here by going through the gate, which is Jesus Christ. That he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you come in through the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus, you then have access to a pool, which symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And that, that symbol uh, of the, the coverings over, of having five coverings over there is a symbol of the five-fold ministry that Jesus put over the church, which is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So this place, Bethesda, is the representation of the church. And the Bible says that the problem is, is that in the church here, this, this, this place, the house of grace, you have all kinds of people dealing with all kinds of issues. And the Bible says there's, there's people there that are blind, people that are lame, there's people that are paralyzed, all here in the house of grace. So blind people, I mean, this, this symbolizes, it's a representation of, I mean, obviously people who can't see, but we're not talking physically here. We're saying people that don't have a vision for their life. I don't know what my future looks like. You know, I, I don't know what God's preferred plan is for my future. And anytime you're around people who can't see, you'll notice that they get lost easily. And then you'll see that the, the next group of people that gathered here in the, the house of grace in Bethesda was a group of lame people. And this is not paralyzed people. This is people who some of their limbs work, but some of them don't. This is people who are not living their life to their fullest potential. It's like, in some ways I'm doing good, but in other ways I'm not. It's like my life isn't hitting on all six cylinders. It's like I do good in certain areas, but not in other areas. It's like I, I want to do better. And I feel like there's more in me, but it's just I, I can't get it to all work at the same time. And then there's, there's paralyzed people that are gathering in the house of grace. There's, there's people that 
This, this is people who are stuck in life. Is it, when it seems like everyone else around you is moving, their life is going forward, it's accelerating, there's, there's growth, there's potential all around you, but you feel like though there's movement around you, you're stuck. And maybe you went through a season where there was acceleration, there was growth in your life, you're moving forward, and then all of a sudden you feel like you've plateaued, and it's like now everyone else is moving forward, but, but we're stuck. And what's interesting about this is the Bible is talking about these were the people that were in Bethesda, in the house of grace, in the church. He's not talking about outside the, of Bethesda. He's talking about, in, he wants to deal with us in this room. He's saying, isn't it interesting that, that all these people were, were going to the house of grace and they, they were rolling on in there. They were, they were coming to a place where uh, they were expecting change, but they were still dealing with their issues. They were still struggling. They were still blind. They were still lame. Right? They, they were still feeling crippled. And you say, well, but these are good people, right? If the, in the church, right, we're talking about good people. Yeah, they were good people, but they were still blind. And I'm sure they were kind people, right? Still lame. Uh, but, but they're loving people, right? They're, they're, they're wonderful, loving. Yeah, but they're, they're still paralyzed. All of this in Bethesda. See, Bethesda helped them get good, but didn't help them get whole. That, yeah, there's certain aspects of their life that were changing because they were in Bethesda, but they weren't whole yet. And, and don't you know, I wonder if there's any honest people in this room that you've been in Bethesda for a while. It's been a minute. You've been in church for a while. And, and certain things in your life have gotten really good. Certain things have changed. But if you were honest, you say, yeah, but there's still that area. Like, uh, maybe I don't feel whole in yet. Uh, a lot of my life has changed. A lot of me is good, but my tongue, every once in a while, my tongue will just get away from me and I'll start saying things I can't even believe. It's like, is there anyone in here that would just be honest and be like, yeah, I, a lot has changed, but, it, but there's still some areas in my life where I need to see some change. See, all this was taking place here in the house of grace. And so Jesus walks into a place. This is the context of what Jesus comes into. He comes into a, a place with good people, right, that were stuck, that had issues, had all these sorts of problems. And we see that all of this was in Bethesda and they were experiencing stagnation because they were practicing a spirituality that, hear this, was based on superstition. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Where do you get that? Well, they were, they were stuck because they were practicing a spirituality that was based on superstition because the context of this, and we see from theologians and, and commentators on the scripture, that would tell us that there was an old folk tale that was passed down as a tradition uh, from Jewish people, people that, that loved their kids. And, and, and this, was, this was from like grandmothers and grandfathers, like people they trusted right? They were passing down this tradition that said this. It said that once a year, an angel from God would come and stir the waters of this pool. And then all of a sudden a race would happen when they saw the waters start moving. There would be a race and everyone tried to get in the pool first. And whoever got in the pool first, the first come, first serve, they would be the winner and they would be the one who would receive healing from whatever ailment they had. Well, that sounds really nice and that sounds really cool. The problem with that is there is nothing in scripture that would suggest that God would use an angel to do such a thing. 
There, there's nothing, if you look back in scripture, that would suggest that God has ever used an angel to stir the waters in order to be able to heal someone that way or that he ha- was going to do that. There was no pattern that God had continued to do such a thing, so therefore they would ex- expect to see God continue to move in that certain way. No, what this was is this was a superstition that was passed on to people from people that had good intentions, that, that they trusted and loved, that said, okay, um, it, uh, we saw this person go to the pool and they were they were healed God healed them so it must mean that like if you can just get into the pool while God's moving then you're going to receive your healing so they they had this thing that was passed on to them that that was a good saying but it was not a God saying man I wonder how much gets passed on to us that they're good sayings but they're not God sayings where People will say things to me all the time where, where they'll quote it as scripture where they, they think it's in the Bible and they'll, they'll say things like, I, I've always heard, you know, God takes care of those who take care of themselves. I'm like, well, that's interesting. It sounds interesting, but that's not in there. Or like, well, no, if you just take one step, God will take two. Well, that sounds pretty, but that's not in there. It's like, yeah, you can read it. Read Genesis. It's not in there. Read Exodus. Read Leviticus. Read Numbers. It's not in there. So it's like someone with good intentions said something to you that you're, you're out of tradition. You're basing your hope on and you're getting expectancy on God doing something. And maybe there's some area in your life where you're stuck because you are waiting on an angel to stir the waters and an angel to do something that God never promised he would send an angel to do. So here a group of people are stuck in the house of grace because they were expecting God to do something he never said he would do. They were practicing superstition. The problem with it is a little bit of truth, a little bit of lie, all mixed in the same thing. You've got a bunch of people. Go, so I hear people say things all the time. It's like, well, God wouldn't want this to happen or God wouldn't want that. Let me, let me tell you something. That's great. That's fine. I just want to know where'd you get that? Because that, that, that's wonderful, but is that what he actually said? Because so many people get disillusioned and so many people get frustrated and so many people turn their back on faith and walk away because the faith that they were experiencing was not faith and was not spirituality at all. It was based off a superstition of what some people said they thought that God might do when he never said it. So we look into God's word and we see that, that, wait a minute, there's a lot of things that God says and a lot of things that he doesn't say and I can't. I can't just put my opinion on there and spit out my idea of what I think God might or might not do because he's the only one that can do anything. He's the only one that can change anything for the good or for the bad. So what I want to do is I want to make sure I know exactly what his plan is. And we see that Jesus walks onto the scene. And Jesus comes into the house of grace. He comes into Bethesda. He walks right into the pool area where all these people were there. And and he he sees all these people who are, are stuck here in this superstitious spirituality of like, man, I, I just want to see my problem fixed. He's like, oh, so you just, you just want to roll in the pool. Well, you, you just expect that like out of nowhere, your circumstances are going to change. Well, that's, that's magic. That's not spirituality. That's magic. Oh, so you, you just want your relationship to change without you changing. Well, that's magic. That's not spirituality. Like, wait a minute, that's a sucker punch, Pastor. I'm sorry. I like, but let's, let's look at this. So you you, you want to get better publicly without putting in the work privately. That's magic. 
That's not spirituality. You just want to roll in the pool. I'm going to just roll in the pool. You know, I'm just name it and claim it. Decree it and declare it. Like, uh, I'm going to just see that, that things are going to change around me without me changing. All. I, I want to see a harvest, but I don't want to sow. That's magic. That's not spirituality. I want to see my finances get better, but I don't want to listen to what God said about That's magic. That's not spirituality. I just want to roll in the pool. I, I just want to show up and, and somehow everything is going to get good for me and everything's going to be, I want to be, I want to be stronger in my faith, but I don't want to spend any more time reading God's word. That's magic. It's not spirituality. And all of this was happening. That, so Jesus comes onto the scene, into this place where everybody is stuck in this paradigm, right? Of believing that if, I, if, I just, if I'm just here, somehow everything's gonna change for me. He, he walks into a place where people have their faith based off of superstition. And it's in this place that he walks up to a man who the Bible says has, has struggled with something for 38 years. He walked past so many other people. There's groups of people that are there with different problems, and he picks this one. I wonder why he picks this one. It's interesting that this is a picture of the favor of God. And there's some of you in this room that, that this, this perplexes you as well. You wonder, why is it God picked me? Why is it God blessed me? Because you know the truth about you. You know that you're in the same boat as everyone around you. You know that, like, yeah, you made some of the same decisions that they made, but if it weren't for the grace of God and it wasn't for his favor, like, you would be in the same circumstances and the same consequences therein, but you haven't experienced the same consequences because for some reason he decided to spare you. He decided to save you. He decided to help you. It's the favor of God that he cho chose you and that you're in this room today and that he is calling to you to, to, to say, hey, do you want to get better? And what a weird question that Jesus asked this man. Why do you think I'm here, right? Of course I want to get better. Like, no, for 38 years I just rolled up in this place like, like, because I just felt like it was a neat thing. No, I'm here because I, I want to get better. Like, I want to see change. I, I, I'm rolling in. I wonder, are we rolling into church just expecting to see change or are we just rolling in because that's what we do? You hear this man, he, he rolls on up to the pool and he's laying there beside it. And, and Jesus said, do you want to get better? It's so interesting. Now he asked him a question about feelings. Why is he asking the question? Do you feel like him? But do you want to get better? Like, it, it, it's strange that he asked this question because Jesus he comes into a context where people are practicing the superstitious spirituality and he starts to introduce them of a new way of doing life that can get them to a new level. Essentially what God is doing here, Jesus is introducing the church of a new way to do church. He comes into church and he's like, hey, um, do you want to see change? Or, or do you just wanna go through doing things the way that they've always been? And I, I wonder, are you experiencing God's plan for your life? Are you experiencing change for your life? Because it's possible for 38 years, for 20 years, for 50 years to, to just roll in the pool, to just roll into church and not see any change. It's possible to just go through the motions. It's Sunday, it's what you do. I'm just gonna go to church and, and not see any change. But when you meet Jesus and you put Jesus at the forefront of your spirituality and the forefront of your walk with God, you start to recognize, wait a minute, he has a plan for my life. And now that I've met Jesus, uh, the blind don't stay blind and the lame don't stay lame and the paralyzed don't stay paralyzed because once I met change, he started to make change happen in me. 
So if you're not experiencing God transforming you and changing you, I wonder, are you, are you really, uh, are you working on your relationship with God as you're walking in spirituality? Or are you just going through the motions of its tradition? It's Sunday, we go to church. Because if you think you're just gonna roll in the pool and roll on out of the pool and roll back into the pool and roll on out of the pool and that's gonna be what changes your life. When Jesus is going, no, he came on the scene, he starts introducing us to a principle-based spirituality where we start to take the words and the commands of God and we use them as the principles that we base our decision in our life off of. And once we start doing life his way, then we start to see now I'm no longer waiting for something magical to happen, for the circumstances to change in my life, but I'm gonna start doing my life the way God asked me to do it. And then I'm gonna start seeing change. I'm gonna start seeing that, man, uh, Jesus, why is it that Jesus did this? You know, why does he ask him a question about feelings? Like, do you, do you, do you want to get better? Because Jesus knew that, that it's not our faith that directs most of our decisions, but it's actually our feelings that direct most of the decisions that you and I make in life. It, it, it's our feelings, not our faith, that directs the decisions we make in life. Because Jesus is like, listen, I could give you more information on how to get better, but if you don't feel like doing it, you're not gonna do it. And we think that certainly is gonna be how I fix my problems. I just need to gain more information. If I can get more information on it, then I'm gonna lose the weight. If I can get more information on it, then my bank accounts are gonna change. If I can get more information. And we go through life when the truth is, the truth is, it's not information that's gonna fix you. You already have the information, right? Let's be honest. You already know how to exercise. You already know how to eat, right? The problem I don't feel like it, (laughs) right? You already know how to meet your spouse's needs. The problem is, well, I just don't feel like it. She ticked me off yesterday, right? I already know how to create a budget. (laughs) It's hard to even say. It just makes me mad, right? (laughs) But it's like I I want things to get better with my finances, but I don't want to. No, I don't want to save money. I don't want to. I don't want to put God first. No, no, that I don't feel like that. It's like I don't want to. And the truth for a lot of us is like we we don't get a lot of the breakthrough we want in life because we don't feel like it. And we pray for things like I want to feel better. I want more energy. I want to be happier. But but the truth is I. When it really comes out, I don't feel like going to bed on time. I don't feel like getting up and working out. I don't feel like spending time in prayer with God. So a lot of us stay stuck because we just don't feel like it. And that's what Jesus is introducing us to here is this idea of the fact that if we are going to see change happen in our life, we first must deal with this area of our life that is going to dictate the way we make our decisions. And that's the area of our feelings, the area of our emotions. Because... <laughs> You can have all the information in the world of how to change, but if you don't feel like it, you're not gonna see any change. You have all the information in the world. And so I wonder how many of us have the information that we've been praying for. We have the information we need for the breakthrough, but the reason we don't have the breakthrough is we just haven't done what we already know. And maybe that's the take home for you today is I need to start doing what I know. I, In this area, we present it before God. God, I know what to do, I just don't feel like it. I know how to get my health back on track, I just don't feel like it. I know how to get my marriage back on track, I just don't feel like it. So God, would you help me in these areas where I I, I just don't feel like it? Because Jesus is asking this question because he knows he must first deal with an area 
that is going to keep this man stuck or cause him to move forward in life before he can give him any sort of commands. Because this area of the feelings has to be dealt with because he knows he's about to give him a command that is going to evoke some emotions in this man. Jesus is about to ask this man to do something that he doesn't think he can do. And anytime God asks you to do something that you don't think you can do, it makes you emotional. When, when God says, I want you to forgive people, it can make you emotional. But do you know what they did to me, Jesus? Excuse me, do you have any idea how mad they made? They betrayed me, they hurt me. Uh, I, I don't know, but it makes you emotional. Things that we love, things that we care about, uh, it makes us emotional. When God asks you to be generous, like, whoa, take my reason, that's my money. You want, excuse me, it makes you emotional, right? So Jesus wonders, is this man ready for change? Because he starts to introduce us to the fact that we have to be able to control our emotions, to overcome certain things in our emotions if we're going to be able to follow him and his commands into a place where we start to see real change. It's interesting because Jesus then says to this man, okay, I want, I want you to pick up your mat and walk. And what's amazing is this man overcame three areas in his emotions, three areas in his feelings, in order to be able to follow this command from God. And it changed the, the situation that he's been stuck in for 38 years, all flipped upside down, all changed. He's free from it now, all because he was able to overcome these emotions and listen to the command from God. So I wanna give you three areas of emotions that you and I need to be able to overcome if we're gonna see the breakthrough that we've all been praying for in our lives. We've all been praying for different areas where we wanna see change, right? In our relationships, our health, our strength. Well, we have to overcome these areas. Number one, write these down, put them in your phone, do whatever you gotta do so that you remember these because if we work with God on this and we allow him to help us in the areas of our feelings, he can start to take us to a place to where we overcome these things and then all of a sudden, we, just like this man, are carrying the mat. We're, we're carrying that thing that we used to be stuck in. Uh, now we're walking away with it. So I wanna encourage you with these three points before we leave today. These are things I need to overcome if I wanna see breakthrough. Number one, I need to overcome discouragement from disappointment. If I wanna see breakthrough in my life, I have to overcome the discouragement that comes from disappointment. And that's what this man in John chapter five did. For 38 years, he was so disappointed because he continued to go back expecting to see change. And along with all of his physical ailments, now he is dealing with the emotional roller coaster and the pain that comes from having a hope that, that this is gonna be my year. I'm gonna see some change. I'm gonna finally get that transformation I've been looking for. I'm gonna finally get healthy. I'm gonna finally get my marriage back on track. And for 38 years, years, it happened to someone else and not to him. And man, if you've ever hoped for something, you prayed for something, you wanted it so bad, and, and season after season, it just feels like it stays out of reach, man, that, that could be agonizing. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that, that a hope deferred makes a heart sick. That if you, if you hope for something so bad and you care so much to see change and you don't see it, it can finally get you to the point where like, I just don't even care anymore. I don't even want to try anymore. Well, why? If we were to get down to the bottom of it, the reason why is because honestly, I just don't want to be disappointed anymore. I don't want to hope for something and, and be disappointed and then become discouraged in life and see this man dealing with disappointment over and over and over again. He did not let the discouragement and the disappointment from his past discourage him in the present from doing what God was asking him to do. 
So he overcame those feelings in order to be able to, to follow Jesus and listen to him when Jesus said, I want you to pick up your mat and to go. So I think that, that some of us in this room might need to get some of the attitude this man had in John chapter five where we say, you know what? If I don't do anything else, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna get up and go because what he did with his discouraged self is he brought himself to the pool every year. After 37 years of failure, 37 years of disappointment, he continued to come back. He was consistent. The biblical word for that is he was faithful because favor finds the faithful. And faithfully, he continued to come back to the same place over and over again because listen to this. Sometimes your answer is where you're supposed to be. And what does the enemy try to do? He tries to discourage you to the point where you won't be where you're supposed to be so when the answer comes, you're not there. What if this man didn't go to the pool that day? What if he didn't go to the house of God that day? He didn't go to the pool. So that's where we need to get some of the attitude this man had. We say, if I don't do anything else, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna show up today. I'm gonna bring myself into the house of God. I'm gonna pray my way into his presence, praise my way into his presence, pray my way into intimacy with him because I need him and he is the only one that can bring me some change because oh, after time, sometimes there's some things in your life that you deal with that, that will change simply by you just showing up where God expects you to be. And I wonder if you have made that commitment where you'll say, I won't let discouragement from my past and disappointments from my past keep me from where God wants me to be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the right place that God wants me. I'm gonna be in the house of God because who knows, today could be my day. And I believe after 38 years, today could be your day. I don't think it's an accident that we know that this man had this issue for 38 years. Because what it does is it tells us that just because something's been a certain way for a long time doesn't mean that's the way it has to stay. And we see with this man's life that, that he was discouraged and disappointed for 38 years, but that was the day that all of a sudden uh, he didn't feel like dealing with discouragement and disappointment anymore. He wanted to listen to the command of Jesus. He said, I'm gonna do it your way now. I'm gonna listen to you. And even though you're telling me something I don't even think I can do, I'm gonna do it anyways because you said so. And he saw change. So he had to overcome discouragement from disappointment. Number two, he had to overcome anger from the absence of assistance. Tongue tie right there. Let me try that again. He had to overcome anger from the absence of assistance. See, when Jesus said, do you want to get dealt well? Do you know what this man's answer was? He said, I don't have anyone to help me. I'd like to get well, but I don't have anyone to help me into the pool. See, what's scary about that is it was true. He didn't have any help. And there's a lot of you in this room that the truth is you haven't had the help that you've needed. And you've gone through some things that you shouldn't have gone through alone. You've struggled through some things that, that God never intended for you to struggle through on your own. But this man didn't sit back at the edge of the pool and with all of the anger that would come from the fact that year after year he saw other people get what he wished he had simply because they had help that he didn't have. Is that other people would carry their friends into the pool. It's like he, he didn't just sit back and get angry about that to the point where he didn't follow the commands from God anymore. But because it'd be real easy to say, you know what? Uh, I would have made it so much farther if I would have had help. If I would have just had the same resources they had, the same friendships that they had. If I'd have had the same job that they had. If I'd have been raised in a different house, it would have, I, I would have come out differently, right? Things would have been easier for me if I would have had some help. If I'd have had some assistance. And see, this man, he very easily could have stayed hung up there because we know it was on his mind. He said so to Jesus. I don't have any help. 
But he didn't stay hung up there because we see that even though he was upset about the fact that he didn't have help, he was still hanging on to every word that Jesus poured out of his mouth because he was thinking, this could still be my time. And see, if you get stuck in a spot where you're thinking, it, focusing so much on the help that you don't have, on them over there, what can happen is you can miss the fact that you don't have them, but the truth is, all along, you've had him. And maybe we're missing the miracle of the fact that, that maybe some of you are missing the fact you made it without help. You made it without their assistance. That maybe God didn't give you what he gave them because he put something in you that, that he didn't put in them. And you're gonna, they might have a head start in life, but he's put something in you where you're going to be able to catch up. And, and maybe we're missing the fact that all along God has been helping us where, where we've been looking for the help from all sorts of people around us and all sorts of resources around us. We, we can't be angry about that anymore because maybe our focus on that has made us lose sight of the fact that God's hand has been on, on us all the whole time. I remember teaching my girls to ride a bike and, and running behind them. And, and, and like any parent will do, I kept my hand on the seat and I was running behind them with my hand on the seat and I could feel that they'd like lean one way or the other and they're about to crash. And, and, and I remember seeing the fear in their eyes as they kind of looked left and right. And they were terrified because they were thinking they were all by themselves out there. But the only reason they didn't crash is because their dad never took their hand off their seat. And you need to understand that there are some of you that look back at the last seasons of your life and you're like, I don't even know how I made it. And I don't know why I had to go through that last season all by myself. And I thought I was going to crash. I thought I was going to die. The only reason you've made it here today is because your heavenly father never took his hand off of your seat. He's never, he's never let go of you. And where you might have felt like you've been abandoned by other people, he said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. He's promised the fact that, that he's with you. So I wonder if, if we ever lose sight of the blessing of the fact that God has been with us all along, and maybe the miracle is in the fact that we made it, and we made it without help. So the comparison game needs to stop. I need to stop looking at the help that you have and the, the resources that you have and the advantages that you may seem to have in life because I need to focus more on what God is doing in my life. So this man focuses on Jesus. Okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to pick up your mat. This man had to overcome discouragement from disappointment. He had to overcome anger from absence of help. And then lastly, as we close, I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. Um, he had to overcome the misery of missed moments. Because the truth is, if, if you've been dealing with a crippling issue for 38 years, stuck beside a pool, this man... He missed out on a lot of things that he wished he was a part of. And anytime you feel like you're missing out, you feel like there's missed moments, missed opportunities, missed seasons. It creates all sorts of, of misery and all sorts of regret. And, and let's be honest, we, we've all experienced that to some level. Where you feel like, man, if I just wouldn't have made that mistake, I'd have been so much farther along. If I just wouldn't have done that, then, then, then I'd be farther along. If, and there's regret there. It's like, you know, I, I feel like I missed an opportunity. I feel like I missed a season. I, there was a chance for me to be farther along and I feel like I missed it. So it's like, maybe you feel like the prodigal son where for a whole season you're like, I feel like I squandered what, what the father has given to me. I feel like I, I walked away from such good opportunities in the past. And this man, he had to overcome the misery of missed moments. And we see that, that he did so. 
because we see a turnaround take place when, when he listens to what God says, when he listens to Jesus' command to pick up your mat and walk, and he goes ahead and he does the impossible. He does what Jesus says to do. He stands up, he picks up his mat, and he begins carrying the very thing that held him for so long. And see, by listening to the command of God, you can start to carry that very thing that you have felt trapped in. And that, that very issue, that, that sin, that, that brokenness, that shame, whatever it is, you can start to walk with that very thing that has kept you stuck in the same place and you can bring it into a different season of life to where it's no longer controlling you, but now you're controlling it. And to get to that type of a place, he had, he, he had to listen to the command of God. And here's what's so weird about this. You got a man who's been crippled for 38 years and he starts walking down the street. And then the Bible says a bunch of church people, a bunch of Pharisees come up to him and they say, wait a minute, it's the Sabbath. And there's an old church rule. There's some tradition. There, there's like religious rule that says, listen, in the church, right? You, you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. You shouldn't work on Saturday. So you need to put that mat down. Who told you to do this? Why are you doing this? And he said, look, whoa, 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 hold on. The man who healed me told me to do this, so I'm gonna do it his way, okay? Like, I tried it your way and it kept me crippled. I tried it your way, it kept me blind. I tried it your way, it kept me lame. I tried it your way, it kept me stuck in paralyzation. But then I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, he changed me. So you know what? I'm not gonna do it your way, I'm gonna do it his way. So I'm, I'm not looking for religion anymore. I'm not looking for tradition anymore. I just wanna know what is Jesus saying because that's what I wanna do. In this man, this is the take home for this church. I want you to hear this. There's some of you that are stuck and paralyzed in life because you feel like you are just swallowed by regret and shame. The way you overcome regret and the way you overcome shame from your past is to build a future that is so much greater that you don't even have to think about your past anymore. And when this man met Jesus, the reason he was able to do so is because Jesus gave him a future that was not based off of his strength, but was based off of his plan for his life. I'm telling you, church, when, when you stop making decisions based on whether or not you feel like it, and you start saying, I'm just gonna do it Jesus's way. Because man, there's some of you, you've been stuck in an area of your life. You've been in this church for decades now, and you've been stuck. And it might be in your finances because you're like, I just don't feel like doing it Jesus's way. And maybe you've been stuck in your marriage and like you're angry with your spouse right now. You're fighting right now because the truth is you just don't feel like saying you're sorry. You don't feel like moving forward. But when you finally decide, okay, I don't care how I feel. I wanna do it his way because I'm sick of being stuck on this mat. Then you start to go, okay, now I have a future to look forward to. I don't have to look back at the past anymore. I can look at hope. I can look at the fact that Jesus is changing me. I can look at the fact that, that, that religion will get you to a place where you're good, but you're not whole. I need wholeness. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. So I'm gonna do it his way. In all of that, he, he got to a point where he's like, listen, I'm gonna, he asked me to stand, so I'm gonna stand. So church, I wanna ask you right now, would you stand with me? Because I think we all need to declare something in our lives. Maybe we felt stuck. Maybe we felt like, you know, I don't know how to change because we've been basing our lives off of our own strength. But there is a hope that comes that turns our lives around and allows us to walk. When we start following Jesus, where we start to go, you know what? I know that a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I will see a miracle because my God made me a promise and it won't stop now. 
And this is a song that we're about to sing together where we, we declared over our lives that I'm going to see change in my life, not by my own strength, but because of Him. I know uh, a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I'll see a miracle. My God has made me a promise, and it won't stop now. If you believe that, let's give our God a shout of praise. Now, church family, let's lift our voices, let's lift our hands, and let's declare this over our lives right now. Let's sing this song. ask you what's your mat what is that area you've been stuck in thinking that this is just the way life's going to be this is something I just have to deal with I want to ask you right now to just bring that to God to tell God God this is what I'm doing it might be it might be some sort of issue that you haven't told anyone else like anxiety depression fear addiction some sort of sin pattern hopelessness Whatever that is, just present it to God right now. Say, this is the issue that I've stayed stuck in. Because there's the thing, you don't, you don't see change by deciding I'm just gonna change as much as you see it by saying, God, I need change, so what is it you want me to do? And God, you see a room full of people right here that there's a lot of us that have not feel, felt like doing what you tell us to do. So we repent of that. We're sorry that we've stayed stuck because we just haven't wanted to do it your way. God, I pray that you forgive us and I pray that you give us the courage to follow you even when we don't feel like it, to just follow you because none of us want to stay stuck. So God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for what we get to see in this man's life in John 5 and how it relates to ours. Help us to overcome our feelings so that we can follow you wherever you ask us to go. We love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's give him a shout of praise. Church family, you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we'd like to give you an opportunity to do so right now. Romans 10:9 says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
then you will be saved. We'd like to pray and simply invite Jesus to be your savior and the leader of your life. You can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner who needs forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be the leader of my life, to be the Lord of my life, and I want to follow you. I believe, God, that Jesus is who he said he is, and I choose now to follow him all the days of my life. I commit my life to you, and it is in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, we'd like to congratulate you and share your story with us at info at Again, thanks for joining us.